We are the Chemical Syndicate, and this is a Batman podcast. This week, episode 20, The Longest Halloween, part one. Welcome. <laughs> Welcome one and all to the Chemical Syndicate. We are a Batman podcast. We're your host, I'm Shane. I'm David. Yeah. I let it go a little long for you because of the subject today. <laughs> the very long subject that we got here. <laughs> wow, that's a very long subject you've got there. <laughs> David. And I am happy to see you. I am happy to see you too, buddy. (laughs) Wait. Oh. Is that a long subject? You're just happy to see me? Yeah, yeah. I'm just happy to see you. (laughs) It's both. Both of them. Yes, welcome to another edition of the Chemical Syndicate. We are a Batman podcast. And today we're right back at you here at the start. Of the Halloween season. Spooky season. Oh, it's going to get real spoopy. (laughs) Spoopy. (laughs) Was there more to that? No, it was just that. What's that song where in the middle of it they go, Spooky. Spooky. Oh, is that the? Is that kind of like more of like a, that reggae feel good kind of like? Mm. I'm thinking of groove, like groove. <laughs> no, no, not that. Oh, okay. They actually say spooky in the middle. Oh well, it might be something in the. I got no clue. If anybody's listening to David here, you let us know what he's trying to sing. Spooky. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Anyways, folks, welcome. Thank you for tuning in once again. Today is the start of the longest Halloween for us because we're going to be treating you week after week throughout the month of October here with all things long Halloween related. We're talking about the graphic novel today. We're going to be talking about the graphic novel of the next episode, but then we're going to be crossing over to our third and fourth episodes of the uh, animated adaptations of the long Halloween. So... Tune in. We're buckle uh, up, baby. Yeah, <laughs> but we're happy to have you with us for this because if you uh, didn't hear what we had to say in the last episode, episode nineteen, face to face to face, this is my favorite Batman comic book story of all time: the Long Halloween. Yeah, it's a great, great story. So many, it's influenced so many uh, movies uh, in the modern Batman era. Yeah, going as far back as to like Batman Begins, mm-hmm. The Dark Knight, yeah, um, and even most recently, The Batman. The Batman. So there's a lot of elements, a lot of ideas in this story that have carried over and has been very influential in, you know, the the modern Batman mythos. It still carries over to this day. That's been you know heavily regarded as some of the the best you know pieces of Batman storytelling that you can find. Yeah, I think it's interesting too that the guy that wrote it is somebody that kind of has a foot in movies and tv and i wonder if that you know if that has a anything to do with him 
or w- with it being able to be translated into so many other um, like movies and that, uh, that just kind of inherently the way Jeff Loeb writes uh, just lends itself to being a movie. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I think that uh, his history of, you know, screenwriting, especially prior to like, you know, com- I mean, I think, mm, I mean, look, I don't know if he was screenwriting before comic writing. I think it would be the other way around, but he definitely has been involved in like film and television. Like you've referenced here mm-hmm. well before he even wrote this. I believe that he did start in uh, movies in film. Yeah, definitely. He knows how to write in almost uh, practically in almost every medium, essentially in that regard. So very talented guy. Jeff Loeb, of course, the writer of the long Halloween, but not the artist. That belongs to the late, great Tim Sale. Huzzah! Tim Sale. He's Tim a good guy. Sale. Good dude, good dude. Unfortunately, he uh, passed away last year in 2022. Um, it's kind of a... Uh, I'm still bummed about it because uh, they were still doing work together. Him and Jeff oh, Lowe. Yeah. They were still doing some stuff. So yeah. it's unfortunate to see you know what kind of unfinished projects they had together. I'm sure Jeff Lowe will... Hopefully carry on, you know, someday. Yeah. They pretty um, recently just put out another Halloween special, didn't they? They did uh twenty twenty one. Yeah, twenty twenty one they did the uh the the long Halloween special, which was another continuation. Um so we got the long Halloween, mm-hmm. uh Haunted Night if you want to include that. That was like beforehand, but uh, it's a little bit mixed depending on the the continuity of those stories. But yeah, you got Long Halloween, Dark Victory, When in Rome, and then you've got uh, the Long Halloween special. And the way that ended was that they wanted to kind of try and do another story oh, together, okay. another like long, some maxi series. Uh, uh, who knows? We don't oh, know. Okay. We'll, never, we'll never know. Well, I mean, who knows? Jeff Loeb is keeping his lips tight. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's a great duo. I mean, aside from their work on Batman, they were together to work on some other great projects, especially over at Marvel. Um, mm-hmm. What they did. Captain America. Yeah, they did a whole like color series. They did Hulk gray, Spider Man blue. Uh, I think Captain America white, <laughs> uh, and uh, Daredevil yellow. There, there we go. Yeah. yeah, so they've got a really great um, partnership, and they've yeah. you know blended together so well creatively. Yeah, um, it's hard not to look at their work and to appreciate everything that they gave to yeah. the industry and just to the fans. Yeah, and they started off. Uh, in DC together. I think their first thing together was Challengers of the Unknown, uh, which I actually have a copy of, and I was going to let you borrow it if you would like. Sure. All right. I mean, not today. I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> um, the Long Halloween itself ran 13 issues. It uh, began in December of 1996 all the way through December of 1997. So it was the long Christmas, really. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, pretty fascinating stuff. Uh, you know, there's a... There, there is a background to the story of what developed all of this. As mm-hmm. I referenced a little bit ago, they came together for three Halloween uh, special issues for the Legends of the Dark Knight title mm-hmm. between, I think, like, uh, I want to say 90, yeah, like 93, 94, 95. Yeah. And uh, the collection that you can find somewhere, anywhere um, would be known as Haunted Night. So it's pretty cool. If you're looking for, like, some extra Tim Sale and, uh, you know, Tim Sale art and some Jeff Loeb writing, that's good stuff. It's good, you know, mm-hmm. it's a it's a nice teaser for what's to come in the long Halloween and beyond of what they were able to work on in the Batman world. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, gives you a taste of what you got. Just a taste. Just just a taste. Now, uh, in regards to, like, the background and the uh, all of that, I really would like to refer to, in his own words, Jeff Loeb. And it's 
the edition that I have uh, versus the one that David has. Apparently, uh, David, was the edition was yours ha- have instead of the forward? Yeah, so I have uh, a discussion between Christopher Nolan and David Goyer um, discussing the influence Long Halloween had on Batman Begins and the uh, discussion that they have uh, had taken place like a month before uh, the Dark Knight started shooting. So they kind of talk a little bit about it, you know, informing the Harvey Dent stuff in, in Dark Knight as well. Um, but it, it, was, it was pretty cool just to listen to the, those two, um, you know, people in the, in the in the movie side of things, just kind of give the book its flowers <laughs> in terms of like <laughs> how well plotted it is and, and how much they can, uh, how rich it is with um, characters that they can use, you know. And it's pretty cool that you, uh, you know, mention all that too, because I remember when I bought Batman Begins, I got the special collector set and it came with a little mini book of stories that inspired mm. the script for Batman Begins or just the yeah. whole themes or the, the tones that they had with it. Yeah. And the first issue of The Long Halloween is fitted in there. So That, that, that was my first uh, exposure to The Long Halloween. Was, oh, you get the same thing? Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Same here. That was my first time like reading anything of it. Yeah. Um, and it's like a smaller, it was like in a, in a more <laughs> compact book. Yeah. Um, but uh, it, it still like blew me away. Like like reading it, the artwork, even in a smaller form, um, just, yeah. I was like, oh, I got to find the rest of the story. <laughs> I was like little, I was like, I want to read more, but I'm not going to go chase it down. I was a, I was a <laughs> broke ass teenager, so yeah. I wasn't going to get into that. Um, I think <laughs> I, this is good. <laughs> <laughs> um, I picked up the long Halloween back in 2009. Mm-hmm. And so I, the very edition I hold in my hand is what I picked up. I think it was mm. at um, the old Walden. It was either the old Walden Books or the Associated one. That was, I forgot the overall company name was. I forget. Okay. But it yeah. was the one that used to be right by Southridge outside of it. Sure. I just remember like fin- I was on my lunch break. I'm like, oh, I'm going to go to the bookstore and check out the graphic novels. For some reason, I was just feeling it. And I, I could be mistaken. This might be one of the first like full-on Batman stories that I picked up. Oh, okay. Cool. And... I remember taking my sweet time reading it. Yeah. So all my bus rides back, you know, like <laughs> back home, all the way to work, I was yeah. like trying to like drag it out as much as I could. So I wasn't reading the whole thing page to page, yeah. just flipping through it. I, I wanted to like absorb Savor the art. It. Yeah. I was really, I fell in love with it right away. And yeah. when it was all said and done, it was like, I need more. And mm-hmm. thankfully there's Dark Victory, which is a <laughs> wonderful extension and a great continuation of that story. Yeah. We'll as get well into as that with, at some point. Oh yeah, absolutely. Someday we'll get to Dark Victory. But it's another great it's a great sequel mm-hmm. and it's a great continuation. It's the same themes, the same art, yeah. the same, you know, ideas and just a whole you know, world of <laughs> Batman that you just love. Yeah. So it it really is something more sentimental for me personally. Um but kind of getting to the background background of it all, uh, in his own words, I think Jeff Loeb does a wonderful forward in this, and it really does kind of capture a lot of like what was going on and what mm. led to things. Yeah. So if you will, in Jeff Loeb's own words, <laughs> it was all Archie's fault. Archie, <laughs> not that redheaded kid from Riverdale, who couldn't decide between Betty and Veronica, although he too would have to shoulder some of the blame for getting me interested in comic books in the first place. No, this was the fault of Archie Goodwin. Archie Goodwin, for those of you who do not know the name, was a writer without peer, an editor without peer, and someone I like to think of as my peer, but I could never muster up the courage to actually admit that last part to anyone. It was in the summer of 1996, 
when Tim Sale, my partner and pal, and I had finished our third Batman Halloween special called Ghosts. All three Halloween tales Archie had overseen, edited, and nursed us through to production. However, we had left the building literally and gone off to the, <laughs> gone off to the crosstown rivals at Marvel Comics to work on Wolverine Gambit. Batman was behind oh. us. Fine work, good times, and warm memories. I'm going to have to look up that Wolverine Gambit. Right, right. <laughs> but it was Archie who decided otherwise. We were having breakfast in San Diego, reminiscing about old times. Oh, maybe three or four months had passed when Archie dropped, as only he could, the first shoe. I always liked what you two did with gangsters. Ever thought about doing a kind of film noir tale? Now, for the life of me, while I adore film noir, I can't remember where Tim and I had done anything with gangsters, with the exception of a couple of pages in the first Batman story we did called Fears, where Batman leaped off a pool table and made fast work of a couple of Gotham City hoods. Not exactly the sort of thing Archie Goodwin would remember, or did he? Intrigued, Tim and I took the bait and pressed Archie for what else he had in mind, specifically. He shifted in his seat like a cat trying to get comfortable on somebody's sweater and dangled the other shoe. I just was sort of wondering what happened to the Roman and all those other gangsters from Batman Year One. I don't think Frank, Frank Miller that is, is going to revisit that material, and maybe you two should. Okay, now we really were being played. Well played, in fact. First off, he had used that word gangsters again, and immediately... I was 11 years old with my black and white 9-inch Sony watching the late movie on Channel 56 in Boston. This was the stuff of Bogart, Raft, Cagney, and Robinson, all Warner Brothers films, ironically to become the parent company of DC Comics. Also, he had brought up Batman Year One, which, while not as much the pop culture icon as The, the Dark Knight Returns, it is the preferred classic in the minds of Tim and myself. And finally, he had added that dollop about Frank. Frank was, and still is, of course, Frank Miller, one of the rare few other than Bob Kane, who created Batman 1939, wank, 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 <laughs> who has left such an indelible impression on the caped crusader. That was it. Archie changed the subject to talking about his days at Warren Publishing, the home of Creepy and Eerie, and he and Tim began gabbing about some European artist whose name I couldn't even pronounce. But there I was, stuck with this black and white dream of a Gotham City that was controlled by guys with guns, dolls with lipstick, and shadows who had shadows. In the days and weeks that followed, a story started to take shape. Mike Friedrich, who had written his share of great comic book tales, suggested that we tell it over 13 issues, from Halloween to Halloween. Mark Wade, who had hit some very long highballs out of the park himself, whispered that if we were going to play in the year one era to make sure we focused on Harvey Dent, a character who had been hopelessly underplayed prior to becoming his malevolent alter ego, who you will meet inside. Best of all, Frank Miller graciously approved of our mining his stunning Batman Year One. But when it was all said and done, it was Archie, yet again, who gave it a name. He called it The Long Halloween. And here it is. P.S. In the spring of 1998, Archie Goodwin passed away. He was a giant of a man in a body far too frail to contain all his brilliance. The world is less special without him. Dedicated to the memory of the magic that was Archie Goodwin. Very sweet. That was nice. 
That's beautifully put, man. That was, um, and I feel like that captures kind of like the entirety of like how this all came about. Yeah, interesting that it was like right from Archie Goodwin, and he kind of like seems like he was maybe you know finding that way into you know kind of stroke the ego of, of Jeff Loeb and Tim Salem is like I like the way you guys do gangsters and like oh thanks. Wait, we haven't done any gangsters. <laughs> yeah, like, like wait, 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 what? <laughs> but just because he, you know, it seemed like Archie had this idea that like, you know, Frank had Frank Miller had had some some great ideas, some great starting points with with the Roman in uh, year one, and Archie Goodwin just wants to see more of like what what else happens, you know, <laughs> what happened after year one, uh, right? To the like, Roman. yeah, like how do you jump? straight to like super villains, Mm -hmm. you know, like, do you go straight to the Joker? Do you go straight to the penguin? Do you go straight to all these like, you know, characters and you know, there's gotta be something more going on that led to all of that. So I I do feel like there's a, I think this was such a very sweet time to kind of really be a Batman fan from like the eighties and onward because Mm -hmm. you were getting not so much a revisit, but you're finally kind of somebody is diving deep into like the background of Batman and going into like his early years or at least trying to, put together some sort of continuity that people can follow. Yeah. You know, like, okay, I read Batman year one. What's the next best story to like read next? Probably the long Halloween. Yeah. You know, it kind of keeps people kind of going with the flow of like, you know, Mm -hmm. what they would prefer to like as, and that's the kind of the magical thing. Like you could probably go over the last 80 some odd years of Batman and pick and choose what you think is true continuity to the Batman character. Yeah. I mean, they even wrote a year two uh, in the quote unquote main continuity. um, But I think many people will supplant, long Halloween as the, as the actual year two, you know, um, that's like just a thing in comics where you can kind of pick, like you were saying, you can kind of pick and choose <laughs> your own continuity, you know? You really can. I mean, even like during the new 52 debacle, it's like without mm-hmm. them having the proper direction of what, what is continuity, what isn't, I mean, there's a lot of people that probably wanted to just say, well, why, why even recreate the continuity? Yeah. You know, all this exists, you yeah. know, this is stuff for the fans. This is stuff for the, the readers and, and anybody else that's a, that's a Batman connoisseur or just a comic book fan. Yeah. So, you know, it's really going to be up to you from what you read and what you have found that will determine what you feel is in continuity for me. Yeah. My continuity of order of things is going to be Batman year one, mm-hmm. the long Halloween, dark victory, uh, hush, mm-hmm. yeah. You know, I mean, stories like that are what kind of go together. A lot of them, a lot of them, Jeff Loeb heavy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but Jeff Loeb knows how to write Batman, and I love that. Yeah. So, um, but all of this wouldn't have even been the case had Archie Goodwin not just been so curious about what happened to the <laughs> Roman Carmine, the Roman Falcone. I yeah. mean, you know what's going on with that guy? <laughs> what's going on with all these gangsters? So it's such a weird and and funny thing, but yeah. Maybe at the same time, he just saw something in them that, uh, you know, he just saw something in them creatively where he knew that they could probably take things to a new level. Mm-hmm. And uh, someday, someday, we'll cover Haunted Night and those three Batman stories uh, that Jeff Loeb and Tim Sale did prior to this, those three Halloween specials, because mm-hmm. there's actually a really nice forward in there by mm-hmm. Archie Goodwin. Oh, very nice. So someday we'll get around to that and read in his own words what how he feels about those guys. Yeah, cool. Yeah. But let's get this started. You know, it all starts with chapter one. Ooh. Nicknamed Crime. How apropos. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I really feel like uh, this issue starts off, like, right away. You're getting that, like, solo first page shot of Bruce simply saying, I believe in Gotham City. Yeah. And, uh, you know, right away you're introduced to Tim Sale's art where it's so uh, black heavy. You know, there's so much ink on the page in terms of just 
shading, how he uses the shadows. One thing I found out as I was like reading interviews and stuff with uh, Tim Sale is he's colorblind. Yeah, really. He, he it, and it's not so much like he he can't like see color, um, or he gets like colors mixed up. It's that he it's like he has trouble. Uh, it, it's a distance in, thing, isn't it? Uh, well, it's it's like from what he was saying, it's like telling the different hues or different um, like shades of the color. So like if if you point to a thing, go this is a hazel. It, to him, it's just brown. But like to a lot of people, that would probably be the same thing. But he he has trouble, he, and he also says he can't create it, so he he can't tell like what are what's going to look good together, um, in terms of his color. And I think that's interesting because as you look through all the artwork here, like this stuff would look probably very amazing just in black and white. And I think that's he he probably keeps that in mind. Uh, one, it's Batman, and so. Black and white is like, <laughs> you know, it's like <laughs> yeah, he yeah. plays so much with Shadow, Batman, the, the character, um, that that actually, you know, kind of works to Tim Sale's advantage to not being able to kind of uh, put colors together. Um, but yeah, yeah, that, that opening page, full splash page. And it's not like a big action thing. It's just mood, you know? Yeah, I mean, like the first few pages is just simply introducing you to the mob world almost. I mean, you're you're having this conversation between Bruce and Carmine, the Roman Falcone, mm-hmm. who's got business with him. He wants to have Bruce Wayne back him in the vote on the Gotham City Bank Board yeah. to do business with Falcone, Falcone Imports. Mm-hmm. And Bruce is not for it, yeah. even though there is history there between them with their family. Yeah, you know, You're not yeah. privy to immediately. Yeah, yeah. Roman kind of hints to it. Um, but Bruce knows like this is just going to be a laundering front. You yeah, know. he knows immediately. You yeah. know, his his double life as Batman gives him the benefit of of knowing these things. Yeah. Um, but throughout it, you you get introduced to characters like Salvatore, the boss Maroni. Yeah. You meet Johnny Vitti's mother, Carla Vitti, who's yeah. like a big who, who runs the big Fal, you know, like uh, you know, Falcone crime syndicate out of Chicago. Mm-hmm. Um, and as well as Alberto Falcone, that's uh, Carmine's youngest son, who's the He's the Oxford graduate. He's the college student. He's supposed to be the good son. Yeah. Um, even though he clearly wants to be involved in the business in some form or another, or at yeah. least to be taken seriously or to be taken under consideration, but he's not. Kind of the uh, Al Pacino uh, role from The Godfather, you know? Yeah. Only, a little bit. A little bit. I would say he has the unfortunate distinction of being the amalgamation of Michael Corleone and Frito. Or, mm. Sorry, yeah. Fredo. Fredo. Sorry, Fredo. Yeah. Fredo. <laughs> Yum. Mmm, <laughs> Fredo. Can't yeah. go. <laughs> Frito Corleone. Mmm. <laughs> <laughs> I love these Corleone-flavored Fritos. That's right. Um, but yeah, you get this great introduction. There's a lot of great artwork right off the bat that's kind of like showing off like the collage of the... Because it, it, it takes place during a wedding, mm-hmm. Johnny Vitti's wedding. Yeah. And another beautiful aspect to like Jeff Loeb's writing and the themes throughout this book is what's going on in Bruce's head? What is he thinking about? And... He's primarily the only one throughout the book, obviously, that has the thought bubbles or the yeah, or the, the inner the, monologue. Exactly. Yeah. So a lot of what he's witnessing, he's you know educating us, the reader, mm-hmm. um, as to who's who yeah. and what's what and the history that he's aware of. You know, like with Johnny Vitti kind of going through uh, Batman Year One, he failed to do the hit on Gordon, and because of that, you know, he was. Potentially going to be a witness against Carmine, and you know it's known that Carmine almost had a 
had a had a knife slid between his ribs, yeah. as, as it's mentioned a couple of times throughout the the story. Yeah, his own nephew. His own nephew. But after things got worked out, Carmine's paying for every bit of that wedding. <laughs> and um, you get introduced to Selena Kyle again too in the story early on. Yeah, a little bit longer hair versus her short hair from Batman Year One. And her and Bruce are friendly. They're quite the item. Yeah. Very consistently, too. So mm-hmm. it kind of makes you wonder how she climbed up the ranks of that social ladder as quick as she did. Yeah, because last time we saw her in year one, she was a uh, prostitute. Was, she was servicing. Yeah. <laughs> she was a dominatrix. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but she's there, and it, it's it's one of those deals where you get you kind of sort of see how Bruce was determined to get the hell out of there and move on with his night. But then he's with Selena, and now all of a sudden... He can't help yeah. but, like, you know, spend a little bit more time with her and yeah. stay at the party, which is kind of nice. It's nice throughout the book you see, like, this... That old horn dog, Bruce. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, throughout the story, you do see that when he's linked up with Selena, that there is this confliction of, like, he wants to be Batman, do his job, mm-hmm. keep his promise to his parents. Yeah. But he gets distracted with Selena. There's yeah. just something about her that's magnetic for him, and he acknowledges it, but he has a hard time of really emotionally expressing himself. <laughs> A common that's, Batman trait. Yeah, I was gonna say that's that's kind of Bruce's thing. <laughs> he kind of just doesn't know how to. He knows how to be a machine for justice, but not a machine for love. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, that very same evening of this wedding, though, you get introduced to Harvey Dent, who's working a little bit uh, overtime by collecting some uh, information off of the uh, license plates of those attending the wedding. So he gets uh, jumped for his troubles and warned not to do that again. <laughs> hey, don't do that. <laughs> I do get this. It's funny because, like, I would say I wouldn't say this is the one of the weaker elements to it, but they don't really do a great job like they do in Batman the Animated Series with establishing a friendship between Bruce and uh, Harvey. That's true. Yeah, like you know, Bruce in his inner monologues will often reference like he's a friend. Mm-hmm. But it, yeah, it, we we don't necessarily see that, do we? Yeah, we don't really see Bruce and Harvey, so I have to assume that's just him referencing that more in his Batman persona. Mm. You know? Yeah, that makes more sense. So, that's where I kind of relate that over yeah. time. Um, I, I do want to point out, there is a, a quick scene of Catwoman breaking into uh, the Roman's safe, mm-hmm. and it reminds me of the scene in The Batman, where Catwoman goes to the mayor's, uh, or no, not the mayor's, uh, to... Um, Falcon safe. Yeah, Falcon safe. Falcon um, safe. Right? No, to, it, was, to go, it was the mayor safe. Oh, yeah, no, it was the mayor safe. It was the mayor safe to get the, to get the, the passport. passport. Yeah. yeah. But just where they have a little dust up, <laughs> you know. A little back and forth. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I do, like, that's another great elemental, like, you know, kind of connection to, like, what was adapted to the to the big screen yeah. is something like that. Mm-hmm. The back and forth, the, the you know, the, the, the cat and mouse, uh, yeah. you know, play, if you will. Mm-hmm. So another fun element that they uh, plucked away from something like this. Or should we say cat and flying mouse? Uh-huh. Deflator mouse. <laughs> Deflator mouse. <laughs> <laughs> the tick-looking motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> um, you get... Uh, so eventually, though, you know, yeah, like what David's referencing there, though, uh, Catwoman's breaking in, she's got her agenda, but so does Batman, so they're both conflicting. Mm-hmm. And throughout the story, there's always, like, this constant uh, issue where Catwoman's always showing up when Batman's involved with Falcone. Yeah. So that's another, like, you know, mystery Batman's trying yeah, to, like, kind of... like, why is she always here? Why is she always here? Why is she fucking up my, uh, <laughs> my missions here? Uh, all of this leads, though, to Jim Gordon... Um, of course, bringing together Dent and Batman, and 
all three of them just trying to figure out exactly how to solve the Roman case, you know, mm-hmm. how to solve this Carmine Falcone, you know, situation, bring down the mob once and for all. Dent is an immensely determined character in this book. Mm-hmm. Like he's almost one track, like this is all he cares about. Yeah. And, you know, there's really, I wouldn't say it's a criticism, but one thing I've thought about too after rereading it um, was you don't really get a lot of insight as to why that matters to him, why it matters to him to clean up the city, why mm. it matters to him to be a DA. Like, does yeah. he want to be a hero? Does he have a vendetta? Does he want to do what's right? Like, what, what's going on? I feel like that's lacking a little bit. You just know that he wants to do his job and he wants to do what's what's best for the people. Yeah, maybe it's kind of just taken for granted that he just wants to do the right thing, you know? Right. And it's like we're keeping it straight and forward and simple on that, but you're not mm. really getting that fleshed out a little bit, which is, yeah. like I said, you know, there's not a, not, not a lot of knocks on this book or this story. But, mm-hmm. you know, if I had to be real and try to, like, nitpick, I, that might be one of them. Yeah. But you do get this great rooftop, uh, you know, few pages of, mm-hmm. of of Gordon, Dent, and Batman on the rooftop. Yeah. Uh, all of them trying to sort out what they could do. And then, you know, Gordon kind of just puts it out there like, you know, if we're going to do this together, we can't break the rules. You can bend them, yeah, but don't ever break them. Yeah. And Dent is good with it. And Batman, with his internal monologue, he's trying to, you know, come with a quick decision. Like, is this the right way to go? Mm-hmm. You know, there's a promise I made to my parents many years ago that I would rid the city the evil, you know, rid the city of the evil that took their lives. Mm-hmm. And once again, here he is making another promise, and yeah. he he agrees to go in on that. Yeah, we got that awesome panel of the triumvirate here. Yes, from underneath, where it shows Gordon and and uh, Dent and Batman all together. And again, this is a thing that they lifted for uh, the Dark Knight. You know, uh, here's a. Basically, the exact same scene. Yeah, where yeah. they're and the whole same the ideas and everything. And yeah, it's like, hey, we're going after the mob's money. We're going after this kind of stuff. Like, we better be ready. Yeah. And then you do get like a kind of Bruce following up from the opening pages um, at Gotham City Bank, shutting down the whole idea. Yeah. And you've got this bank president, uh, Richard Daniels, who's <laughs> he's like, Bruce, it's a great idea. They'll bring money in there, and they've got good legal products. Like these uh, Italian loafers, they're very comfortable. Yeah, I'm wearing them right now. I'm wearing them right now. Well, this Bruce, guy's so mobbed up. Oh God, I hate him. <laughs> dude's so mobbed up. Um, I mean, Bruce couldn't uh, convince him, but Batman can. <laughs> Batman pays old Mister Daniels a visit, convinces him to res- rescind on his uh, choice to support Falcone Imports, which would be his undoing. Um, he would get publicly murdered by uh, Johnny Vitti. Yeah. So. Story, uh, as far as like uh, time wise, if you're following things, there's a I forget, I think by the time you get to the I want to say it's the uh, when you get to the Richard Daniels at the Gotham City Bank thing mm-hmm. where they're doing the board meeting, that thing that takes place in August. Mm-hmm. And Fal- oh, Falcone yeah. mentions that you know, my 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 you know, my nephew's been on honeymoon for two months, you know, get him here now, and mm-hmm. then. So you can kind of place this at the be- that the beginning of the story begins in June. Yeah. And then fast forward to like September. The, so the wedding takes place in June. Yeah, I'm sorry. Okay. Yeah, the wedding takes place in June. You've got Johnny Vitti assassinating, or I'm sorry, murdering. I was going to say, he's not that important of a character. He murders uh, Richard Daniels in September. Mm-hmm. And then boom, we knock, we knock boots with October. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we get the first... You do, holiday you, kill. You do get the first holiday kill, but that's only after, uh, you know, with information from, you know, Catwoman that Dent and Batman find Falcone's stockpile of unlaundered money in a warehouse. And 
on Halloween night, even though uh, despite uh, Dent think trying to like you know talk himself into some, uh, like, you know. Oh yeah, if we were not too great guys <laughs> in a room full of untraceable cash, we might uh, have some thoughts here. And Batman's like, we're not. Yeah, but we're not. <laughs> um, one thing I got to say is. There is, you know, a cool anything that's like associated with um, the Holiday Killer mm-hmm. uh, is in black and white, and there's this cool like right after the murder of uh, the bank president. Um, there's a, a a quick uh, scene of somebody filing the serial number off of a, a gun and showing a a little um, like bottle baby bottle nipple um, there, and then when yeah, you the turn the page. page yeah. You see the baby bottle nipple at Gordon's place, mm-hmm. and it's it's like they um, they do these things to try to like point you in certain directions to be like, okay, who could be the the killer? And obviously here we have that. You think, oh, okay, you know, either it's just a, a clever transition to get him from you know something dark into like into the domesticity of Gordon's life, or they're also kind of planting the seed that maybe Gordon is the killer. And in the next page, you have Harvey Dent down in his basement working with tools similar to what you just saw using uh, being used to file off the the serial number on the gun. So that right away they are showing you like it could be anybody. Cuz it's the um not long after that where uh they show Johnny Vitti murdered, right? Yeah. Yeah, just immediately after seeing Dent downstairs then you get the scene of oh, like Johnny, Johnny Vitti taking the, the bath, taking a bath, yeah. and then somebody just walks in, it's yeah. a silhouette with a gun, and yeah, bang, 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 um, two shots to the head. Yeah, <laughs> if you ask me, it couldn't have happened to a nicer guy. <laughs> Whoa, um, I, I, District I, Attorney Dent, <laughs> Gordon's like, come on, man, we don't do that. This ain't the way to do it. Gordon is all I don't the way hear that kind of talk. Gordon all the way through this book is straight the, arrow, man, dude. You gotta once again appreciate, like you yeah. know, just the Gordon character. You yeah. need you need that one and, guy who's not and the strength, on the, edge. the strength that it takes to be the the voice of reason and to be the one that does things by the book. Um, because it's, I mean, I don't want to don't want to say this like too flippantly, but it's kind of easy to be Batman in terms of <laughs> in Gotham City, like just disregard the law and take the law into your own hands and and do what you know what you determine. Uh, needs to be done, um, and it can be easy to be uh, Harvey Dent, where he has these kind of temptations that, that he voices, and you don't know if he's serious about this stuff, but the idea is there. Like, mm, you know, if we were two different guys, we could take this money, or you know, it's, I'm glad that this dude just got killed. You know, it couldn't have happened to a nicer guy. But well, Gordon is just like, look, the the law says. You don't murder, <laughs> you know. You don't. Yeah, yeah. You don't do this. Uh, these people have to be brought to justice, and people have to know that the system works. Um, although working with Batman, that's kind of <laughs> yeah. You know? But you know, but you know, and, and but Batman like bends the law. Not he does bend it. Down. He bends it. And the thing is, I think he would feel immensely different about Batman if he was a murderer. Yeah, he would not support Batman if he was out there killing dudes at night. Yeah. Whereas, like Dent's, like all about the extreme, like you know, sort of karmic justice that mm-hmm. brings to somebody like Johnny Vitti. Yeah. And Gordon's like, well, he didn't face his day in court. Yeah. He's not rotting away in jail like criminals should who, yeah. you know, do what they do with the sort of stuff that he does. Yeah. He got the easy way out. You know, yes, mm-hmm. he's no longer harming people, but 
nobody's really right. getting justice for him yeah. living a full life in solitude, not living a free life. Yeah. And I think morally, when people really think about it, you know, that's that's what really scares people, like mm-hmm. going to jail and whatever comes with that. Yeah. Being contained in this facility. Yeah. Not being able to go across the street and hang out with other friends or go mm-hmm. take trips to other places in the world. Yeah. You're stuck in one spot with all these other animals. That's, mm-hmm. you know... Whether or not you relish in that or not, I don't care. I mean, the fact is you're being you're you're in a cage. Yeah. And that's punishment. Yeah, your freedom is taken away, and that's yeah. huge. That's a huge thing. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's where Gordon believes in the law in that manner. It's like that's true punishment. Mm-hmm. So True justice. <laughs> <laughs> um during this little meetup though, when they're discussing Johnny Vitti's murder and the, the you know, what was left behind, Batman does know his catwoman spying on them, and after a little bit of chase the fuck um, is she doing here? <laughs> I know. Uh, she does share with him about that stockpile of unlaundered money. And, of mm-hmm. course, Dent and the Batman go visit the uh, warehouse where they set millions of dollars ablaze. And here's a little thing that uh, the Dark Knight mm-hmm. has taken. Another thing. Another thing. Anyways, <laughs> they set uh, all that sweet money on fire just like the Joker in the Dark Knight. <laughs> They're the Jokers, baby. They're the Jokers, baby. And in retaliation, Falcone has a package sent to Dent's home that evening while uh, his lovely wife, Gilda, is handing out candy to the neighborhood kids in their little outfits. Um, Dent gets home. They go inside, opens up a package, and then kaboom! There it goes. Blammo! Kablammo! Boo, boo, boo. It was a bomb. It was a bomb. <laughs> they, they blew up the dense house. And uh, that is how the first chapter of The Long Halloween finishes up. A, a nice little, uh, that was a really very, very, uh, there's a lot going on this issue. There's yeah. a lot happening. Yeah. A lot a, of setting up. It's a, it, it's a, it's a long issue. You know, it, it's like a, I think it's like a 48 page special or something like that. I don't know what, but it's, it's longer than some of the other ones uh, here, but they do end on a great cliffhanger i do like that because like i remember when i read that in that uh batman begins <laughs> a collection it uh i was like oh man that's kind of what hooked me to be like well i gotta know like what happens next like <laughs> they just blew up dense house with that like how can that be but it, it's a great <laughs> but he's way two face but he's two face you can't kill him off this early and uh it really does like you know if this was your first like you know, I can't imagine what it was like because even though I was alive, we were alive during this era that it was being released. We weren't picking up comics. We weren't reading mm-hmm. comics. But I feel like if I would have picked up the long Halloween number one, I would have been like, dude, what? This yeah. is good. Yeah, totally. At least I look back at that now and I say, well, this is good. <laughs> this is good. I don't know if it really was good to other people, but I imagine it was. It's yeah. such a very well-regarded story in that way. But this first issue definitely sets up a lot of like the problems in Gotham City with just the mob alone. Yeah, the relationship it, between Batman, Dent, and Gordon. It totally, totally does all that stuff. It does a lot of that stuff. But now we go into chapter two, Thanksgiving. Hey. Hey. And Thanksgiving, I love like, um, so I'm just going to say this, like for every, for the majority of all of these chapters or issues, as you will, if you will, um, all kind of start off like that first page is like usually like a singular person that you're focused yeah. on, whether it's a full body or just a close up of the face. Yeah. It's usually focused on just one individual on yeah. these opening pages for these issues. And so we start off with uh, chapter two with Batman front and center. Um, very much, you know, clad in shadows and darkness, mm-hmm. as he states, Harvey Dent is dead. Yeah. 
So there you have it. There you have it. That's the that's the, that's it. There <laughs> there is no Two Face origin story. Uh, but you've got Gordon and Batman interrogating uh, Mickey the Mink Sullivan about the bombing of the Dent's home that killed Harvey Dent, and as well as in the holding cells is the rest of his gang: his brother Danny Boy Sullivan, Jimmy Slick, Dapper Kevin, and Willie Two Times, who got his name for being such a two-time and son of a bitch. I don't really know. They don't flesh those guys out. <laughs> I think he just says everything twice. <laughs> that's that's from Goodfellas. <laughs> Although I can see a lot of like, I think Jeff Loeb has talked about this, where like mm-hmm. a lot of his influence for uh, Carmine Falcone is the Godfather. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I can totally see that. You can see a lot of the stuff that's ripped out of like any yeah. of those mobster movies from back in the day. Yeah, yeah. I kind of feel like Jeff Loeb just... Like, as he was talking about, you know, watching those old gangster movies from Warner Brothers, um, he finally has his outlet to to do this, you know? Oh, yeah, big time. Like, it's such a great opportunity for him to, like, sort of, you know, either implement certain characters that inspire him from, like, those uh, movies or to just simply embrace that whole cheesiness of, of, of gangsters, you know, that, yeah. that you used that, to watch back then. That, that film noir aesthetic. Um, you know, I talked about, how much shadow Tim Sale uses in his art. Um, and also how many Venetian blinds there are. <laughs> so many Venetian blinds. <laughs> There's a lot of blinds. <laughs> um, during the interrogation, um, you kind of get this flashback sequence of how Batman caught Mickey. I should probably mention like Mickey and his gang, just complete Irish stereotypes, <laughs> uh, even equipped with like the dialogue of him saying, boyo. Yeah. <laughs> Which I got a kick out of. Um, but you do get the flashback of Batman, and uh, I guess Batman tracked him down with a serial number on a nail that was used for the bomb, which he says every nail has a serial number on it. And I haven't looked at my nails at home <laughs> yet, but I'm curious if that's a thing somewhere. Yeah. I don't know. I've never noticed. I've never I'm noticed. Not, I'm not Batman. So. I'm not Batman. <laughs> I, I think that would be such a weird niche thing to like. Yeah. Maybe niche is like the wrong word, but like it's like, it's a very specific, yeah. Like every, every nail? nail, like even in your just home like right a now, box of nails? like even those nails on your wall, buddy. Like those are gonna have like you know a serial number that could track down the seller and buyer and manufacturer, all that stuff. Yeah, it's pretty wild. But anyways, we're gonna take his word for it because he's Batman. Batman uses serial numbers on nails to track down <laughs> scum like Mickey. He gets into it, Mickey the Mink. Um. So yeah, using the serial number on the nail, he was able to track down uh, Mickey. Uh, while chasing Mickey, though, he ended up in the sewers, where uh, old poor Mickey there came across Solomon Grundy, born on a Monday, died on a Tuesday. No, it was he. No, no, he didn't die on a Tuesday. <laughs> Wait, that's pretty quick. <laughs> I'm gonna jump right to it. <laughs> now, he just repeats "born on a Monday" like yeah, over he and over again. Born on a Monday. Yeah. Born on a Monday. Solomon Grundy, born on a Monday. Him and Batman have a very brief fight. Batman knows how to... Uh, I think Batman's funny. It's funny because he's like telling him, like, I don't want to hurt you. And mm-hmm. then he hurts him just to... <laughs> Gives him the old one-two. <laughs> Gives him, yeah, right a right and left. left. Yeah, right and a left punch right to his <laughs> right nose. Right the nose. And then I think he... Does he, like, just pull his nose or he does something where he, like, does something to, like, chase him off or to, like, get him to go away? You know, I'm not and sure. He's, and he's sort of just sort of, uh, you know, like, he Solomon Grundy gives up and he wanders off. Like he's hurt. He's hurting. Yeah. So I think he like grabs his nose afterwards and he pinches it. He like he squeezes he it, does have, yeah. something. Yeah. But I thought that was pretty neat. Or he, he grabs something out of his uh, utility belt. 
So maybe it's like a, I think it might be a flashbang or something like that to blind him. I don't, I don't think so. No, I don't know. I'm always grabbing something out of his, out of his utility belt here. Right, right, right. But I mean, mace. Maybe you got some mace. I mean, there's no effect for it though. There's really no effect. It looks like he's putting his middle finger up his nose though. I don't know, but. But what did he grab out of his utility belt? Why they show us that? <laughs> I don't know, man. <laughs> We're terrible. Uh, Tim Sale from Beyond the Grave. Can you let us know what's uh, happening? Fill us in on this. Um, either way, though, it's... Uh, it, it, <laughs> I don't know, man. He does <laughs> I do like that, uh, you know, Batman considers Solomon and Grundy one of, like, Gotham's lost souls. Yeah. And kind of putting a little bit of blame on, you know, Falcone's, like, you know, whole influence on the city yeah that has led to like i guess people like solomon grundy not getting the kind of help that he needs i wonder if solomon grundy is supposed to kind of represent the the deaths that the falcone uh family has uh accrued you know the how how many people they've killed like yeah because he's underground he's obviously a zombie (laughs) very likely i mean it could be the allegory for that um at some point though Mickey gets switched out with another Mickey. That's right. And this Mickey tries to convince the other gang to kind of talk about their game plan, but everybody's like, nah, you know the game plan. Mm-hmm. And they all kind of, uh, they all admit to the attempted murder and that they would put it in writing. So it's like their game paid a lot of money just to be straight up and to take the blame, take the fall for it, but they're not giving up who hired them and what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, at which point we got Batman and Gordon talking to Mickey again, who's revealed to be Harvey Dent? What? Still alive? Pulling the old switcheroo on us. Yeah, and he admits he's got a terrible uh, Irish accent. <laughs> Boyo. <laughs> so Dent is alive and had a very intricate and well-made designed mask to uh, wear Mickey's face. <laughs> you can only assume Batman helped out with that. Um. I think Harvey was the one who had the idea of like, hey, let's release the gang, put word on the street that they cut a deal in order to see what Falcone does. Yeah. Gordon wants to press charges. Den disagreed as they will probably make bail in an hour. Mm-hmm. Gordon pressed further like, well, if you don't do it, somebody from the DA's office will. Mm-hmm. Like calling a shot on that one. <laughs> and uh, Batman noted that uh, Dent was wrong. They made bail less than an hour. <laughs> and they were out in the streets doing their thing. Um, it's funny cause like Gordon at one point when he was interrogating the real Mickey earlier, he talks about how, you know, his wife's at home making turkey, making stuffing, mm-hmm. all that stuff. And, you know, has a warm dinner waiting for him cause that's what, de- that's what decent people do. They go home with their families, they have dinner, yeah. they relax. And, you know, it's sad because it's like, he's not necessarily pouring his heart out to the guy, but he's trying to be sensible. Like, look, mm-hmm. man. You like, you know, come on, look, confess, do this, and just do the right thing. So that way I can get home to my family and relax yeah. and, and, and enjoy this. Yeah. And of course, see. you know. Oh, go ahead. Oh, no, I was going to say, of course, that's not going to be the case. You yeah. know, it's shown that uh, Gordon goes home. His family's already done for the night. They're in bed. Mm-hmm. She let, you know, Bar- Barbara, his wife, left dinner out for him. But it's in the dark, so it's kind of sad. Yeah. The dents spend their Thanksgiving at the hospital while Gilda is still recovering from the explosion. Mm-hmm. And Batman decides to uh, spend his Thanksgiving with someone much different. Uh, you get shown that Batman's leaving behind a plate of Thanksgiving, uh, a traditional Thanksgiving meal behind for Solomon Grundy. Yeah. Which, I, once again, another testament to like the kindness and yeah. the warmth of Batman, yeah. of Bruce Wayne. 
you know that compassion yeah. it really i mean honestly like that's really cool you know yeah. and uh there is though we don't leave thanksgiving without yet another murder that's right it's a holiday that's right while celebrating over a thanksgiving meal provided by falcone mickey and his gang get gunned down by the holiday killer although they're not yet named the holiday killer as this is now the second holiday they've officially killed on so we get uh get a nice little ending there with like yeah. the, the the dead little uh the the dead Irish dudes with uh, is it the the Thanksgiving um, the cornucopia yeah, the cornucopia yeah. yeah. So, uh, what did you think of like this particular chapter? Is it just a, a really decent like kind of low down kind of like a uh, not low down like a low key kind of continuation of where they left off? Yeah, it's it, it does um, just I guess keep things moving. It's uh, you see them trying to figure out how to take down the Roman what what evidence can they get to <laughs> take down the Roman? The the way that they work together, um, you know, with having Dent go in undercover um, and, uh, and 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 the toll that it takes on on their lives too. You know, the very poignant at the at the end here, seeing the three the three men of the <laughs> the triumvirate here and how they spend their uh, uh, their holiday. You know, they should be with family. Batman has no family other than Alfred, but. <laughs> But he's lost kind of in this Batman stuff. He is, you know, feels for another freak <laughs> that lives underground. And uh, Dent just hoping that Gilda gets better. That his his work has seeped into his private life, and it it it's costs you know the people that he loves uh, their health. Um, and then it's costing Gordon. Time with his family. Yeah, it's 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 a great continuation of like where they left off, and it does showcase like the efforts that they're putting forth. But it's just sad because, like you said, kind of like where things left off for them at the end of that holiday. Mm-hmm. You know, almost somber, sad, yeah. and you know, just void of what it is that enriches a normal person's life, yeah. especially on a holiday like Thanksgiving. Yeah, yeah, the things you have to do when you want to do the right thing is sometimes you got to sacrifice some stuff. Yeah. I mean, you're talking about all three characters that are throwing their lives into their work. Mm -hmm. You know, Batman is dedicated to the promise that he, you know, that, that Bruce Wayne kept to his parents. Mm -hmm. You got Gordon, who is by far the ultimate servant of the law. Mm -hmm. And likewise with Harvey Dent, you know, he's serving, you know, the people and he wants to, you know, make Gotham city safe from the likes of Carmine, the Falcone, you know, the the Roman, Carmine, the Falcone, (laughs) Roman, (laughs) now Carmine, the Roman Falcone, which is funny because like when they refer to him as the Roman, the first issue, Mm -hmm. Dent is like, he has a name. (laughs) Yeah. He's He's a man. He's a man. So, um, yeah, solid continuation with once again, kind of like ending with a mystery of who's this person taking out, you know, people that are associated with, uh, Carmine Falcone. Yeah. But that moves us on to chapter three, Christmas. Um, this was a very uh, well. I should Christmas say, with who? Christmas with the Joker, baby. Oh. It's a very Joker heavy uh, book in terms of just all the tomfoolery he gets into. Yeah, yeah. This this definitely reminds me of animated series mm-hmm. Joker um, and Batman. You know, it's uh, Joker is like doing obviously homicidal shit, <laughs> but. He's got a smile on his face. He's he's very cartoonish uh, in the way that he is drawn first, firstly, um, and then also just in the way that he approaches 
uh, every everything that he's doing. So, oh yeah, he he's very animated. You know, even just like with the still images that you're watching, you can almost like kind of picture him just going left and right, up and down, just mm-hmm. bouncing off the walls with the zaniness of what's making him laugh and the the violent, you know, delights that he partakes in with, you know, killing some of the mobsters along the way. Mm-hmm. Um, but Joker is on the hunt to find out who Holiday is, who's been officially named by the newspapers at this point. Um, throughout the chapter, he's he robs a family at the start of the chapter uh, of their Christmas presents. Pulls a Grinch on him. <laughs> yeah, he pulls a Grinch on him. Uh, he ends up threatening... Uh, you know, Maroney, and he threatens Dent in his new home after he brings Gilda mm. home finally to their new house. Yeah. And he ends up threatening Falcone at the end, too. So he's not, he's making some moves, but he's just trying to like figure out who's who. Like, mm-hmm. like he's getting in the faces of the main players of the story. Yeah. With the exception of Batman. And he's just trying to like root out, like, which one of you guys are really doing this you know yeah. you guys are doing all this taking away all my publicity and all this stuff <laughs> joker loves his publicity he man. loves the spotlight he's a hoe for the for the spotlight man <laughs> hoe for show hoe for show <laughs> that we also get introduced to uh calendar man yeah revamp of calendar man here that is i think probably the most lasting yeah version of, of him yeah, absolutely yes this is like the definitive you know calendar man version that Ca- i think calendar man as hannibal lecter pretty, pretty much. much yeah i mean it's i mean definitely not as uh well informed as hannibal lecter <laughs> but he's trying they go for the hannibal lecter vibe so yeah. you got gordon and batman visiting arkham asylum to meet with calendar man because the events of what's occurred so far has happened on holidays so who better than the calendar man to give some input? The thing is, I'm just going to go and say, like, throughout the story, it's like, it's kind of like a cool image to see him, you know, in Arkham with all the dates and the, mm-hmm. the calendar stuff all over the floor. And, you know, just him being, you know, kind of ambiguous as to whether or not the gender of Holiday is a he or a she. And he's yeah. intertwining, like, well, maybe she did this because he wanted to. Yeah. And it's like, okay. <laughs> He's not given anything. He's not really. He's not really providing anything sensible. So it's mm-hmm. almost like a dead end every time. So I always wondered, like, why do you guys keep going back to him? He doesn't know shit. He's locked up. <laughs> <laughs> but maybe he knows a little bit more than than we think. Maybe um, as we I get think, to the end of, of the story. Yeah, and I think later on in the story too, like Batman muses whether or not, like you know, I mean, he, he's going over some options. Like it could be Julian Day, aka mm-hmm. the Calendar Man. Uh, records state that he's been locked up this entire time but records can be altered so maybe he's getting out there and doing this yeah so you never know i mean they kind of keep it you know ambiguously available in case he does end up being like a wild card character yeah um but they do try to go the the hannibal lecter treatment where you get that that one guy on the inside who's Mm -hmm. jailed up who's got some yeah insight into the person you're actually hunting right yeah so it's like okay, you can you can try that, but uh, they they get nowhere with him, so they leave anyway. So once again, he's kind of useless. But um, with Joker's last visit being to Falcone, um, his personal bodyguard Milos becomes the latest victim to be murdered by Holiday. And I think that the uh, chapter ends in a really cool way, where Batman arrives at that time, thinking that the murder was due to Joker, and he says, "Merry Christmas, Joker. It will be your last." <laughs> It's a very, you know, it's it's a pretty quick, straightforward issue. It doesn't really yeah. explore more of the story. It just kind of, it's about Joker doing mm-hmm. Joker things, trying to like, as we said earlier, get back in the spotlight, trying yeah. to take his place back on top, you know, and mm-hmm. 
trying to figure out who's taking all these new these news headlines. That's that belongs to me. I'm the Joker, baby. <laughs> what did you think of this one? It's um, it's exactly kind of what you said. It's it's straightforward. It uh, you get some cool Batman Joker stuff in there. Um, the design on Joker is like even more exaggerated than what you would <laughs> yeah. normally you know find out. One of the things with Tim Sale is he's got a ton of teeth. He's got. A ton of teeth and they're long teeth too. <laughs> like I like I I uh doubt that his lips even uh touch <laughs> when he closes <laughs> his teeth. Um but uh Tim Sale's artwork is like is very uh idiosyncratic. You know, it's very uh what's the word I'm looking for? Singular. I feel like these uh you won't mistake it for anybody else. I think even he has uh, said it himself, because I think he does the forward for Dark Victory, where mm-hmm. I think he he's been told, or he's been told at least by those like a like a like a stepson or somebody like that, mm-hmm. where it's like that his artwork isn't really that good looking. <laughs> and I think I've said that too. Like it's funny because like I don't know if I would really describe his artwork as good looking. I might have like um, yeah, I might I might find everything about this very sentimental, or maybe it's a form of Stockholm syndrome. But like I've seen his artwork so much, and I appreciate it for what it is. Mm-hmm. It has a very old school kind of tone to it where the artwork isn't necessarily meant to be very human-like and formed. You know what I mean? It's, like, yeah, it's, it's, it's very, very, it's very cartoony. Very pulpy in a sense. Yeah, I, I can see that. Um, yeah. Like it's, when I say cartoony in the sense of like old like comic strips, you know, it's like, you know, we were talking about exaggerated features. Everybody has exaggerated features. Now, if you, you know, compare it to somebody like Jim Lee, Jim Lee, you know, tries to get everything pretty much well proportioned, you know, human proportions. Um, everything is, uh, you know, the men are handsome, the women are beautiful. Uh, and Tim Sale do- doesn't have that. You know, he has, he, he gives people um, an, an ugliness, you know, <laughs> like some some character in their, in their appearance. And they're um, all built differently. You know, like uh, yeah. Batman is super jacked, very fit. Mm-hmm. Catwoman is super jacked and very fit. <laughs> What's interesting is I was thinking. I wasn't done yet. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Harvey Dent is really jacked and fit. Uh, Gilda's like tiny and frail. Yeah. Joker is like tall, lanky. He's got mm-hmm. that massive grin. That's like you said. I don't even think those lips touch. Yeah. Um. And then and and there's more. But uh, yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> Are you done? I mean, I could keep going and describing, but. I just wanted to be like, hey, I'm not done yet, man. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. Shut up. <laughs> but go on. Um, they show Catwoman, you know, when she's in her, like, regular clothes, she looks normal. Yeah, Selena, Selena. Okay. yeah. In her civilian clothes, she looks very normal, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but when she has her Catwoman stuff on, I feel like he wants, uh, Tim Sale wants to just kind of show her power, her athleticism, and, like, they they really do, like, as as many muscles, abs, and stuff that they show on Batman, they show that on Catwoman too. You know just how how fit she is. You know, and, and like her outfit is designed to be like skin tight, so yeah. you see every muscle on her back yeah. and everywhere. It's it's pretty good detail. It's fun. Yeah. His artwork is like I said, it's funny because like it feels more like comic book art to me. It doesn't yeah. feel like it, we're trying to make this look as human and yeah. real as possible like and no this think, is very fantastical stuff and it's meant to be that way i think and to think at this time like that you know the, the kind of realistic approach is like what's popular i feel you know like i was talking about jim lee like he's 
probably the most popular one in the 90s. Um, or I guess Rob Liefeld, although he's <laughs> he oh, can his, have some problems. His shit can be really weird looking. I think yeah. more famously it's that Captain America piece where his yeah. chest is like five human beings <laughs> hugging each other yeah. deep. But it's like his is like he's trying to show somebody as like normal proportions. He just fails at it. <laughs> Whereas, like, this is, like, I feel like, you know, this is all very intentionally to be caricatures, pretty much, you know? Yeah. But I like it, though. I like yeah, it a too. lot. It's, it's like I said, I feel, it feels the most like a comic book art, you know, uh, art book than anything else. Yeah. So it's a good showcase for that. And he has a tremendous skill. I would, like I said, I'll never tell anybody that it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. However, I've grown to love it. And especially now that he's gone, it's like, man, no one's going to do that kind of artwork like that again. Yeah. At least not that I'm aware of, I should say. Mm-hmm. Um, not familiar with every artist in the world, but I would like to think somebody appreciates this and likes to try that style out. Mm-hmm. Um, go for it, you know? Like, it's it's good stuff. And especially with his shading and his the way the way he uses, like, the colors that he can see. And uh, as well as just, like, with all the Batman stuff, all the, a lot of the Batman art in here is very much in him in the shadows and him in the darkness, and it, mm-hmm. it looks gorgeous the way yeah. that he's got it all set up. Yeah. Yeah, the, the the light and shadow stuff is what really grabs me on uh, his his artwork. Mm-hmm. But moving on to the next chapter, chapter four, New Year's Eve. Got the Joker is still at it though, and this time he's got a plot to fly a duster plane over Gotham Square <laughs> at midnight and poison the city. Uh, his reasoning being that he hopes that one of the citizens is is Holiday. <laughs> <laughs> he's kind of just yeah. Just, chances are there's so many people out there. I don't know probably. Um, you know, it's funny how his uh, his his uh, goal kind of lines up with Batman. <laughs> you know, in terms of like he wants to get rid of the Holiday Killer, but he is he, so deranged that a win for him is to kill hundreds of people, hoping to get one. You know, <laughs> it's funny because he's trying to point that out to Batman. Like we're after the same guy. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you'd like this. <laughs> We're trying to do the same thing. We're trying to do the same thing. This Com- is such a, a a Joker. It really is <laughs> plot. You know, it really is. It's it's a very Joker idea. Yeah, and you know, like I like this version of Joker too because he's not like how some people have written Joker in in recent years or mm-hmm. the last t- couple of decades. Where yes, he should be you know a main character that Batman has to rival against. Mm-hmm. But I also like it when he's kind of a side character sometimes. Yeah. And he takes the back seat and he does something goofy like this or yeah. like what he did during the Christmas uh, issue. Mm-hmm. I like that. I, I like it where he's not the focal point. Yeah. And it's okay because he's entertaining that way too. Yeah. Yeah. And, that, and the thing with Joker too is that his plans aren't always, uh, you know, the, the, the giant, you know, <laughs> plan. Sometimes it's just like a one-off thing of just like, ah, I'm just going to go get this crop duster. <laughs> See how I can kill a bunch of people. Yeah, I, you know, you don't have to overthink it. Just do it. Yeah. You know, that's kind of like what I like about the Joker sometimes when he's written in that way where it's like, yeah, it's a very straightforward plan. It's almost like mm-hmm. him running for governor of Gotham. Right, yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah. And the other thing that I like about this too, how they work in these uh, the rogues gallery um, into this story is that it shows Batman has other things happening. You know, he's like, you know, he's focused on this long Halloween story, trying to get the holiday killer, but 
there's still shit happening in Gotham that he has to take care of, you know? Yeah, we're starting to see things escalate, too, because in issue mm-hmm. one, mostly just gangsters. Same thing with yeah. issue two, but you get introduced to Solomon Grundy. Yeah. Three, and this, you know, the third chapter and the fourth chapter here, it's all about the Joker. So yeah. it's like now things are kind of getting out of hand. Yeah. Because the Joker has a whole different reasoning why he's involved. Mm-hmm. Same thing with Solomon Grundy. Solomon Grundy's just in the sewers and people are messing with his home. Yeah. But you got the Joker who's getting jealous of the publicity and he's getting involved. And as we kind of continue onward with the story too, it's like you're going to meet a lot of other characters that all have different, you know, ways they get introduced or why they're involved. Yeah. Which is fun. Mm-hmm. So, um, but in this issue, yeah, you got Joker who, like you said, like he, he's just, he's just going to go for it, man. He's just going <laughs> to kill hundreds of people for the hope of killing one. Yeah. And uh, meanwhile, you've got uh, Dent, of course, working late. Um, his assistant, Vernon Fields, uh, who is secretly working with Sal Maroney, or for Ma- Sal Maroney, I should say, which was established, I think, in the previous issue where Sal's, like, sitting down with his people. And oh, okay, like, yeah. given, like, he's like, ah, I need to get somebody on the inside and Dent. And he's, right. like, got his guy. He's like, ah, I'm already on it, boss. Yeah. Um, but he meets up with uh, Dent and presents him with a file that connects Bruce Wayne to Carmine Falcone. Which gets his interest. Meanwhile, Falcone is at a social gathering on a yacht, making a, a veiled threat to both Maroni and his own sister, Carla Vitti, um, in regards to like, you know, basically he thinks that they're behind this. Mm-hmm. They think that they're, you know, that they're all trying to like hit his his whole thing and get payback on him and usurp his power of Gotham City. Yeah. He's getting paranoid. Getting paranoid, man, like most mobsters do. Yeah. But meanwhile, though. The Holiday Killer strikes again, this time killing Alberto Falcone on the yacht. That's uh My word. My word. So yeah, uh, Carmine's uh Carmine's good son. Good son is dead. Yeah. Um we didn't really we, we, we didn't really acknowledge in the previous issues. There's like little small excerpts with like Falcone at home having it out with his sister who is mad that her son was murdered and mm-hmm. nothing's being done about it. Yeah. Or other mobsters being mad that there's nothing being done about the Gotham City Bank situation because their money's going unlaundered. Therefore, mm-hmm. there's no money flow going on. Yeah, there's there was a whole warehouse of money that was burned up. There's a whole yeah warehouse of money getting burned. So there's a lot of people looking at Carmine as he's slipping. Yeah, you know, and there's nothing going their way. Therefore, mm-hmm. they gotta you know keep making these threats start towards him or reminding him like you got to do something about this. And meanwhile, he's paranoid, thinking no, 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 no. You guys are doing something here. <laughs> Yeah. So this was kind of like a, another sort of continuation on what's going on with the mob stuff. Mm-hmm. And in the mean, you know, meanwhile, though, we're you know, once again, Holiday strikes again towards somebody close to Carmine Falcone, this time family, yeah. you know, or at least another family member that's probably even more closer and more important to him, his, yeah. own, his own kids. Yeah. And um, so you get another victim to the Holiday Killer. Probably worth noting, too, that uh, Carla Vitti was the one, I think, that discovered him getting killed towards the end there. So maybe. Mm, she was closest to him. She was closest to him. She could uh, get get close to him without raising any flags. Mm, or, mm, or, or, or maybe well, not. not. Maybe not. Because she seems pretty upset when he's gone. Yeah. <laughs> and then, uh, meanwhile, at the... At the Dent household, you got the Gordons surprising Harvey as he gets home to celebrate New Year's. But, uh, you know, nice little effort by Gilda to try and raise his spirits. But Dent is somewhere else emotionally and he just walks away. And you kind of get him sharing the information with Gordon that there's something going on with Bruce Wayne. 
and you know he wants to share that information with him. So we don't really learn exactly what that is. Yeah, they kind of linger on this uh, story for uh, a few more issues here. So stay tuned. <laughs> <laughs> and Gilda also mentions Harvey's hair is wet when he comes in through the door. Yeah, and so you kind of think, oh, what was he? Where's he been? Yeah, and what's pretty cool about that too? It's like you know he shrugs off. He's like, it's snow, <laughs> which. Yeah, that actually, yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, it's no, yeah. Um, By the end of though, by the end of New Year's Eve, going into the new year, Batman manages to stop Joker, and thinks that this new year, that his promise to his parents will be within reach. Hey, there might be an end. Might be end all this. I do like that it kind of has like this odd, hopeful, you know, ending for him. Yeah, I think it has. You know, it uh, links in with the new year. You know, usually the new year is supposed to. Supposed to be hopeful for the new. You make your resolutions, and a new year will bring in a new, new set of circumstances for you that may be better. Mm-hmm. You know, so they end on that. There, there's a cool action scene of Batman fighting on th- this plane with <laughs> with Joker. <laughs> yeah, and Batman gets his uh, cape caught in the propeller and just like you know, cuts it loose and then takes takes Joker out. I do like that. Yeah, the, like the last image of him like contemplating like what the new year brings. He's <laughs> It's he's standing in position as if if he did have a cape, it would be blowing perfectly. Yeah. But he ain't got no <laughs> he ain't got cape. No <laughs> you ain't got no cape, Batman. <laughs> but you ain't got no cape, Batman. But you ain't got no cape. <laughs> Onward to chapter five, though. Valentine's Day. For all y'all lovers out there. <laughs> Gordon and Dent uh, start off this issue by going to Wayne Manor to meet with uh, Bruce to question him. And uh, good old Alfred, though, doing what... Uh, what Batman's Batman does, <laughs> and that is to hold them off, uh, especially reminding them that uh, this is, of course, a holiday. Yeah. It is Valentine's Day, which is to make them remember that they haven't gotten shit for their wives. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect thing for Alfred to be able to like do two things at once, like tell him to fuck off, but also like, hey, <laughs> why don't you go get your wife something? Because <laughs> I know you haven't. <laughs> you know, right. Um. Also, you get Batman confronting Carmine at uh, Al- Alberto's gravesite, asking him if the price was worth what he paid. Mm-hmm. And of course, you know, standard, uh, standard, m- you know, stubborn mobster blaming everything on him or everything, mm-hmm. everything on, uh, on, well, blaming everything on everything else or everybody else, but but himself, himself. Yeah. except for taking accountability yeah. and taking ownership of the issues at hand. Yeah, that his decisions and his life may have led to that. Um, once again, though, Batman gives chase to Catwoman, noticing that she's around, Catwoman. and muses that once again, Catwoman is there while he is confronting Falcone. Like, yeah. she's always around when there's what's something up? going on with Falcone, and what's, what's going on with that? What's the connection? What's the connection? What's the relationship, you know? Um, it's kind of cool that uh, you, you you get this side story, and, you know, it's kind of keeping you hooked. Like, well, what is going on with Catwoman? Yeah. What does she want out of all this? Mm-hmm. And another great element, though, that's plucked out of here and placed in like a movie like The Batman. Yeah, yeah. You you don't know what the connection is between <laughs> Catwoman and and Falcone for a long time. Mm-hmm. Until she tells you. Until she says, <laughs> "He's my she says. father. <laughs> He's my dad. My daddy." Um, it's cool because you get this chase scene with Batman and Catwoman. He's asking her why she's around and what's going on. And it cuts right away to a meeting between Bruce and Selena, <laughs> which is, is just a, uh, you know, kind of like a polar opposite of like what was going on with Batman and Catwoman with the chase and yeah. the aggression and the, uh, the, 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 
all that. They have this nice transition here where the last panel between the Catwoman Batman uh, confrontation is Batman grabbing Catwoman's hands to keep her from scratching him. And then the next panel is Bruce holding Selena's hand uh, in like a loving way. <laughs> and I think Catwoman does actually get a scratch on Batman. Mm-hmm. And then in the next panel where it's yeah. Bruce and Selena, she brings it up. Yeah, that's right. I thought that was pretty cute. Does she know that he's Batman? Mm, no, I don't get that vibe yeah. at all. At least, does he no. know that she's Catwoman? No, no, I don't think so. Not at all. Yeah. So this is like one of those situations where like they, you know, two masks mm-hmm. don't know who the other is yet. They're yeah. Im- immensely connected. <laughs> yeah. Drawn to each other. <laughs> Very much. Yeah. Um, during that little scene too, though, between Bruce and Selena, there's a vendor that sells Selena a rose to give to Bruce, which is a nice little change up. Mm-hmm. And Bruce gets pricked by the thorn. Might want to keep that in mind, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, shit. That's right. And another panel, though, you do get uh, Vernon meeting up with Moronia's restaurant to give him the uh, inside scoop here. Rat. (laughs) Oh, rat. Dirty rat. But outside of the restaurant, you got Falcone's men who are uh, kind of laying in wait trying to survey what's going on with Moroni. But they get ambushed by none other than the Holiday Killer. He strikes again, only this time he makes a big big bang by blowing up their car which causes some damage to uh, Maroni's restaurant who ends his whole uh, Valentine's Day declaring war on well he's not sure yet he's just yelling <laughs> you want a war you got it <laughs> people that have never probably served in the military that say that oh you want a war I'm gonna give you a war <laughs> Um, Gordon and Dent do make it home for Valentine's Day though with their loved ones mm-hmm. which is nice yeah but Bruce comes home to find himself in the vines of poison ivy to Ooh. end the issue. It was poison ivy all along. <laughs> it was earth all <laughs> along. <laughs> That's right. Chapter six, St. Patrick's Day opens up with a mystery being released from Gotham Penitentiary. Who could it be? Well, none other, of course, than Carmine Falcone's daughter, Sophia Falcone Gigante. I forgot that um, that's who it was. And uh, when I was reading it, I was like, is this Killer Croc? (laughs) (laughs) I forgot immediately, like, from the opening page Mm -hmm. and a half, I was like, oh, man, what is this again? And then when they show I'm like, oh, yeah. Yeah. She's huge. Their last name, Gigante. Gigante. I always thought that was, like, a married name or some shit like that, but I guess that was a nickname. Oh, is it? I don't know. I, I'm, I'm assuming after all these years. I mean, it was never really established that she was, like, married or, uh, you know, had a yeah. different lineage of something. So I'm kind of just assuming maybe that's, like, just yeah, an added maybe. name on top of being Sophia Falcone. Yeah. Or maybe she was married at one point and divorced and never just changed her name. Very possible, too. I just, uh, I think, you know kind of being here with you i'm kind of thinking maybe that's just like a weird nickname they added added at the end because she's a big girl she is yeah she is like two tons uh two tons of tough yeah and she's she's mean looking tall but she loves her papa yes papa papa. yes papa um but she is released from gotham penitentiary don't really know all the details we get a little hints later in the uh, story we'll kind of make mention of that uh, later on, we'll kind of mm-hmm. go into detail there, but she there, there really isn't anything immensely well known as to what led her to 
being imprisoned and why all of a sudden she's released. Very timely, too, because her father does need her assistance with what's been going on lately. I'm guessing, I'm guessing the Roman Greece, the wheels. Oh, very likely. You know, with, very the, likely. with the old... Uh, you, know, you think he would have done thing. that a long time ago for his daughter, but depending on their but history, he didn't need her then. <laughs> he didn't need her then. That is that is fascinating though. Like you know, throughout the rest of the story, though, she is, does not seem to still have the appreciation or love. But he yeah. does know how to, he do, he does know how to play his kids. Mm-hmm. He knows how to like really kind of uh, sort of work them around the bend and yeah. uh, to, to wrap them around his fingers. Mm-hmm. It's pretty fascinating, and she's a great example of that when you re- keep reading onwards. While under Ivy's control, you got Bruce reversing his stance on the Gotham City Bank, uh, doing business with Falco- Falcone Imports. Reversing, reversing. That's right. Which, of course, you know, like everybody in the the whole like board meeting are like, "Oh, Bruce! Whoa! Thank goodness you finally came around to this." <laughs> yeah. What a bunch of fucking scumbags! Man. Yeah, man, <laughs> dude. Working, uh, you know, living for that almighty dollar. That's what they're doing. The all it dollar. <laughs> oh, I get it. <laughs> uh, Gordon and Dent, though, were shown talking about the holiday case with Dent supporting the mob taking each other out, while Gordon once again reprimands him for that. <laughs> Stop saying that shit, man. <laughs> yeah, it makes me think that you, you're the holiday killer. I mean, that's it's it's pretty fascinating that once again Gordon continuing to be the straight arrow that continues to. Uh, Really, be the moral, the true moral compass. Yeah, more so for Dent than Batman. Batman doesn't; he's not going to kill anybody. But Batman's yeah. going to go out there and bend the bend the law a bit. But he also is going to have to stay in his lane too, with with mm-hmm. Gordon keeping an eye on that. So, yeah, um, Gordon's here just keeping everybody, you know, yeah, above board. So eventually, Bruce is saved by Catwoman. From Ivy, mm-hmm. and it was I think there was a little uh, panel there when 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 Bruce was leaving the uh, the bank, and Selena was trying to call to him, but he yeah. was just straight up ignoring her, and he yeah. was like a zombie just walking straight forward to the limo where which, Ivy's waiting, which is very different from every other time we've seen Bruce interact with uh, Selena. Every time he sees her, he's like, "Oh shit! Like my day is changing. I gotta like, yeah, I gotta work her into my day. I like I can't leave without seeing her. You know, like yeah, she really does." draw his attention yeah and he's interested in some form or another even though there's so many other things on his mind his priorities are what they are he's a Mm -hmm. very you know one track minded person yeah you know his mission is to be batman and to stop crime and to rid the city of the evil that took the lives of his parents oh selena (laughs) Mm. Mm. yes yes my my yummy yummy (laughs) i know i made a promise to you parents but come on look at her it's Selena. It's Selena. You seen her? Banging. Dad, come on. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, right? As the kids say, straight busting. <laughs> Wait, am I saying that right, kids? Is that, is that right? Well, the kids will tell us. <laughs> am I out of touch? No. It's the children that are out of touch. Those <laughs> well, the children who are wrong. No, I'm sorry. Don't fuck, it. Don't fuck up Skinner's <laughs> line. I'll do what I want when I want. How I want. How I want it. So there was going to be a plot, I think, from uh, Sophia Falcone through her father to probably go ahead and take out Maroney and his people once and for all. Mm -hmm. However, Holiday beat them to the punch and took out uh, the majority of Maroney's men. Yeah. And where, uh, because there's like the little panel where like Sophia, like they drive up and she's like, nope. This changes things. (laughs) (laughs) Because I think that kind of means like, oh, well, Maroney is now going to be probably more so leaning towards Falcone and 
mm-hmm. whatever else, because now he's getting hit. Yeah. So now it's not just Falcone. It's also Marnie. There's a, a scene earlier where Sophia goes to her aunt, uh, yeah, Carla, yeah. Uh, to see if there's going to be any uh, Issues, resistance yeah. if they go after Maroney. And uh, you see uh, Carla is firing a gun that looks it, very familiar. It looks that, like that, the gun that the Holiday Killer uses. Well, it, she does confirm that it is a twenty two pistol. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So could it be Carla? Could it be? Did Carla Vidi have what it takes to take out her own son to start a mob war? And her own nephew? And her own nephew? And the rest? Uh, you do get a nice little scene where Batman thanks Catwoman for saving Bruce Wayne. Doesn't raise any flags for her? No, no. It doesn't raise <laughs> any flags at all for her. Wait, you're friends Especially with since he's probably been missing for a month. <laughs> yeah. They don't really, they don't go too deep into that. Yeah, where's, where's Batman been in all this? And um, it is shown towards the end of the book that uh, Carmine Falcone did in fact hire Poison Ivy to the surprise of even his own people. Um, there's yeah. some dialogue where he mentions like, you know, the, that he pitched this idea and everybody's against it, but he's like, no, nope, I'm doing it. The times are changing. Roman's getting desperate. To expect the unexpected. Yeah. He's, he's fighting a freak. You got to bring some freaks in, you know? Freak fight. <laughs> <laughs> it's a pretty cool ending too, because it's like, for me, I didn't think it was a big deal, but the more mm-hmm. I've like, you know, having reread it, I'm like, okay, I can see. Cause it, this is something that they don't do in the mob. Like they know yeah. that these criminals are whack jobs yeah and they've got their own motivations or skills that may be dangerous mm-hmm. even for their own agenda so yeah for him to be this desperate mm-hmm. after all these months yeah this is something that's unknown you know they're used to organized crime and these freaks uh batman's rogues gallery kind of i think uh uh personify an unorganized kind of crime where it's just Odd, <laughs> oddball stuff, you know. And I think it's probably worth noting that while there's focal points in these organized crime units like Carmine Falcone, Sal mm-hmm. Maroni, Carla Vidi, um, you know, they're all part of a syndicate. They're all part of something bigger. Yeah. And even though there's a focal point on them as the faces of those organizations, you know, the super criminals like Poison Ivy, the Joker. Mm-hmm. Um, Solomon Grundy, even for that matter, yeah, they're solely operating on their own. Mm-hmm. Like it's their own volition, their own plans, their own motives. Whatever got them there, whatever brought them there, whatever's propelling them forward—that's their agenda. That's their business. Yeah, they don't look at a big picture. They're not part of a team. They're not worried about a team. They've got literally their money might not even really be a factor. Money might fund what they want or need. Yeah, but does money matter to Solomon Grundy who lives in the sewers? Does money matter to the Joker who could just show up? kill whoever's in front of him, take a plane and go fly over Gotham. Or for Poison Ivy, you know, it might be a little bit more complicated for her. Who knows? She's She kind of knows how to blend in and to do her thing. So mm-hmm. who knows? But this is, uh, I mean, after rereading again, I mean, I can sense that this is definitely a bigger deal, you know, that should be taken seriously as a bigger deal. Yeah, this is a big step for, for Roman. What do you think of this redesign on uh, Poison Ivy? I think it's cute. Yeah. I mean, you know, really heavy on the green. Yeah. Really heavy on... She is- very otherworldly, you know? Yes, and definitely embracing all the plant life growing off, either off of her or around her. Yeah. <laughs> so It's, uh, you know, I, I feel like Tim Sale's kind of taking the same uh, direction with Poison Ivy's uh, 
flora <laughs> that is all around her as uh, as he does with Batman's cape where it's just like it's whatever it needs to be you know it's like it can be five feet long or it can be 30 feet long it's it's kind of all over the place I was reading an interview with Tim Sale and he was like yeah you know I, I made that design and uh kind of screwed myself over because now I got to draw that like every panel <laughs> like I got to draw all these leaves and everything everywhere <laughs> it's like they're like I've individual work yeah <laughs> hey man that's that's on him. <laughs> Sometimes you got to make that sacrifice. That's right. And then onward to chapter seven, April Fool's Day. Um, this was a fun one because it's essentially going between Falcone and the Riddler, who he's working with now, mm-hmm. and you know Batman kind of working alongside Alfred. And they're both going over like the case. And they're both going over like respectively who they think could be the holiday killer. Yeah. And there's a lot of like intertwining like you're kind of going back and forth but i I, sometimes i can't really tell if they're sometimes talking about the same people or i get the impression they're talking respectively Mm -hmm. in their own minds like who they think it could be yeah and you're just learning who they think so for example you know falcone and his and sophia they're there they're listening to the riddler go on and on Mm -hmm. and the riddler is going over like riddles and questions yeah which is you know that's his thing. That's his thing. And it's <laughs> it's definitely pissing off Falcone. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, I want an answer. I don't want a riddle. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, Riddler's thinking um, it could be Catwoman. Due to the twenty two pistol being light enough for a woman, that's what he's kind of surmising. Or it could be Carmine's own sister, Carla Vitti, you know? Mm-hmm. We Go- can see her with the twenty two. Yeah. Or, as he last muses, maybe it's Carmine Falcone himself, which does bring out a laugh out of uh, Carmine. <laughs> and that was like his last ditch effort too to like try and help, you know, try and try to uh, uh, convince Carmine who he thinks could be it. Um, but then on the Batman side of things, Batman's talking out loud to Alfred who's listening as to who he thinks could be Holiday. Batman kind of suspects maybe it could be Sal Maroney who's looking to take over the, you know, Falcone's power in Gotham. Mm-hmm. Or it could be Calendar Man, kind of like what we mentioned earlier. The records show that he's in custody, but proposes that the records could be altered. Mm-hmm. And then lastly, which is something that Alfred pointed out, um, could be Harvey Dent. You know, in the pursuit of justice, he's losing his grip. Yeah. And he's resorting to extremes that lead him down that path. Yeah, and we've been, we've heard him uh, say some, you know... Uh, Very out-of-line things yeah. that even Gordon's, like, having to reprimand him for. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's, he's letting it be known that he doesn't care how these people get out of Gotham. He just wants them out. Yeah, just like rats off a ship, you know? Yeah. Whether they're drowning or they're chasing off somewhere else, he just wants to get rid of them. Yeah, whether you catch them or drown them. Yeah. Don't matter. Meanwhile, you do have uh, Dent telling Gordon that he wants to go ahead and go after Bruce Wayne. So that's been an ongoing development still. It seems like it's been months now, probably like what? Since uh, yeah, when did he New that? Year's Eve, maybe? Yeah. Since New Year's Eve that he's uh, been kind of like working on this whole Bruce mm-hmm. Wayne stuff. So yeah. months in the works of like trying to go ahead and officially get the okay to do it. Very small storyline for Gordon and Dent in this one, but it's pretty straight to the point of what's kind of li- what lies ahead. Mm-hmm. Um, and then kind of like as I referenced a little bit ago after uh, Riddler going over his sus- you know suspects list, you know, it's a pretty intimidating shot of like, or, uh, you know, art piece there of Sophia walking behind Riddler and just like a vice grip, yeah. putting her hands on his head and to the point where the pressure is making him his nose bleed. Yeah. And Falcone's like, well, if your life depended on it, 
who do you think is the holiday killer? And, mm. of course, he says, Carmine Falcone. <laughs> Prompting a really hearty laugh out of uh, Carmine, who then instructs Sophia to take Alfred, or, I'm sorry, not Alfred, uh, to take Riddler off to the side and or kick him out of the, you know, out of the building off to mm-hmm. the back. And then we get, uh, well, we do get one more, we do get one more victim, so to speak, of Holiday. What does he do? To, what, what does Holiday do, David? Well, Riddler is pushed out into an alleyway up against the brick wall. You see the Holiday Killer with an umbrella, so you don't actually see the face. Points the gun, shoots, but leaves Riddler alive. <sighs> and what does he say? Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> but what day is it? April Fool's That's Day. Right. But I think Riddler has a pretty good uh, line of dialogue. Since, since when does a killer not kill? Yeah. Is that what he says, right? Yep. When does a killer not kill? Yeah. So uh, pretty fun. Honestly, that is a really fun way to end that issue, though. It's April Fool's Day, and you think Holiday's going to strike again. Mm-hmm. And and Holiday does strike again. Yeah. But not in the way that everybody has been conditioned mm-hmm. to expect with uh, this ongoing problem that Gotham has on every holiday since Halloween. Yeah. So very fun sort of midpoint of the story so far where yeah. here's what's happened, mm-hmm. what's going on. Here's our suspects. Here are our suspects. Let's theorize what we've got and put it all together. Do we even have an answer? Yeah. No, the picture is still not clear yet. Yeah. But I think it's a, a pretty cool midpoint to the story to like yeah. kind of like lighten things up in a way. Yeah. So, but on that note though, we're going to leave you, the listeners, hanging. <laughs> David, what do you think of the long Halloween so far? We made it to April Fool's Day. We're seven issues, seven chapters into this uh, thirteen chapter arc. Uh, obviously, I, I love it so far. You know, it's a uh, um, great plot. You are being pulled along. You know, I feel like the, the pacing is, is really good. As I mentioned before, I do really like the artwork. Um, again, it's it's so moody the way that Tim Sale uses his his uh, his his lights and darks. Um, shadows and light and all that stuff. And the writing is uh, succinct. You know, there's there's n- never uh, too much flowery language. You know, like sometimes some, some writers can get a little too wordy. <laughs> you know? Oh, yeah, yeah. But I feel like, uh, you know, Jeff Loeb is really writing to the medium, you know. Um, in some, some of the interviews, again, I, I've, read, I've read a bunch of, like, uh, Tim Sale interviews, and uh, Tim Sale talks about how Jeff Loeb really writes to the art uh, to the artist's strength uh, that he works with. Um, and for Tim Sale, he said that that he really likes that because it gives him a chance to really, you know, flex his <laughs> his muscles uh, for for what he likes to draw. Um, Which are muscles? Muscles, lots and lots <laughs> of muscles. How do you get the muscles to stick to the suit? <laughs> Can you sign my copy of Watchmen, babies? <laughs> V is for vacation. <laughs> but yeah, dude, it's it, it's great. And like again, I had mentioned earlier, but this is I can see why so many uh, films have taken from it because it's a great cast of characters, um, great you know kind of themes of of what does going after the mob do to your life um, when you when you decide to to, to do that. Um, and 
it's very cinematic, all the the, the drawings and the, the way that it's, quote-unquote, directed, you know, <laughs> the way that uh, Tim Sale kind of uh, uh, shows what, what's going on. And I like that it's a it's a story that's getting bigger and bigger every yeah. issue in terms of like the expansion of like you know not just what's been going on with the mob, mm-hmm. what's been going on with this the holiday killings. Yeah. But now you're getting introduced to like the Batman Rogues Gallery. Yeah. And you're getting even more colorful, mm-hmm. a lot more dangerous. Yeah. And there's a lot of elements that introduce them. Like like I said, you know, you got Solomon Grundy who is a lost soul of Gotham living mm-hmm. in the sewers. You've got the Joker who's an egomaniac who is so sensitive to the fact that he's not getting attention. Yeah. You've got uh, Poison Ivy, who can be bought. Yeah. And now you got Riddler, who also can be bought, but he's not really necessarily doing anything to harm Batman, but he's working for Carmine to try and help him figure this out. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and, and then there's the subplots with, like, what's going on with, like, this thing that's been going on for a few issues now that... Uh, uh, with what Dent has learned about Bruce Wayne. Yeah. And we have yet to learn exactly what that is. We'll yeah. find out on the next episode, though, <laughs> here on the Chemical Syndicate. Hell yeah. Because guess what? Obviously, we ain't done with the long <laughs> Halloween, so we've got the rest of this story to go. So I hope you guys can join us for that, and we move onwards and upwards into this amazing story. Uh, David, where can the people find us on social medias? Oh, they can find us if they type these letters. Chem Syndicate, spelled... C-H-E-M-S-Y-N-D-I-C-A-T-E. Look it up. You'll find us. <laughs> mm. Gotta love it. Gotta love it. That's right, folks. Find us on the Facebooks, the Instagrams, and the YouTubes, and uh, the Twitters, and uh, that's it for now. <laughs> we right. got we got more episode to, uh, to get to you. That's true. That's true. So uh, join us. On the next episode of The Longest Halloween, part two, it'll be on its way to you very soon, so tune in. Um, Thanks for listening to this one. We'll be right back at you with more of The Long Halloween, guys. Take care. Bye. Bye. Yeah.